from Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Yes, welcome to Rated LGBT Radio, and I am your host, Rob Watson, and we are back. Uh, we had a few-week hiatus there, and uh, we have now returned with brand-new programming, and we're excited to be here. And we, of course, are available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Whenever you want to hear this show, you simply tap on your podcast app on your cell phone or go to Blog Talk Radio slash Rated LGBT Radio, and uh, you will find us. And we are very grateful that you you have and do and will find us and listen. Um, we've gotten very a, a lot of traffic recently, so please do share us with your friends. Have them subscribe um, and, and join our ever-growing uh, community of listeners. Today we are talking about something that is incredibly important, um, and that is specifically the Black Trans Lives matter movement. Um, There has been a really a very wide embrace, a historically wide embrace of the Black Lives Movement. And um, we're also going to talk about the momentum there and how that can continue. Um, In that spotlight, there has been mentions and in in certain uh, areas, uh, discussion around Black trans lives mattering. Um, My opinion is it's not enough. Uh, We'll talk with our guests today and see if they agree with that. And um, also, this is coming to an important point because just in the last month alone, there have been several black transgender women who have been outright murdered. And uh, I don't know that that has been highlighted enough that people have been made aware of it enough, and if they won't, we will. Um, Our guest today is our good friend who's been on the show before, and we're pleased to have her back, Monica Roberts. Um, She is uh, also known as the the Trans Grio um, and a very famous blogger, um, numerous awards, and she has, I think, a lot to say on the subject so we are anxious to to talk to her. But first, I'm going to bring on my illustrious co-host, the um, very well-known journalist, Brody Levesque. Brody, welcome to the show today. Hey, good afternoon, Rob. Good afternoon, good morning, or good day to our listeners, wherever you're listening to our podcast. We do appreciate very much um, your patronizing us uh, and uh, listening to everything that we uh, that we say, actually, and hopefully... Uh, It'll make an impact and a difference uh, in your life. Um, As we move into the 4th of July weekend, obviously the subject matter is COVID-19 and the fact that the numbers uh, are dramatically increasing across the entire United States, although we now have 12 states that have dangerously high levels of cases in terms of hospitalizations and maxing out on ICUs. Um, we've got governors asking people to please, please, please stay home 
if you have to be out, wear a mask, social distance, uh, wash your hands. It's, it's critically important. Uh, it really does make a difference. Uh, there's a lot of people talking about masks, but the truth is they do make a difference, and they will help. Uh, and so, you know, by all means, we all implore you, please, please, please wear your masks. Uh, in some states, of course, it's now mandatory. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of folks uh, displeased with that. Our guest is actually living in a hot zone in the state of Texas, whose governor, uh, Greg Abbott, has just now mandated uh, facial coverings in the state of Texas. Uh, Texas is in uh, one of about five states. Uh, that the numbers have been literally tripling. The United States overall has seen doubling of numbers. It looks like the United States today will break somewhere in the neighborhood of probably close to 55 to 60,000 new cases of COVID, and that is in a 24-hour period. Um, if this trend continues, the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta are telling us in the press corps that we are probably looking at 100,000 new coronavirus cases daily by the end of the month. So that does just simply does not bode well. Um, the deaths have also been creeping incrementally up, which is not very uh, something that you very much want to hear, but this is you know where we're at right now with it. So it's, a, it's one of these things where, you know, we cannot stress enough, you know, take precautions, you know, it, just stay with your family groups, social distance, and again, you know, wear a mask. I had, yeah, there's been a lot of discussions about freedoms and this and that. You know, the masks are, are more than, you know, to protect other people. They're also to protect you. And, you know, there's enough scientific data that backs up the fact that not wearing a mask just leaves you, you know, exposed and wide open. Uh, so, yeah. And on that note, um, did want to make uh, a little bit of a uh, – kind of a publicity blurb for Rated LGBT Radio. Next week, we're very excited. We are going to have one of the runners-up uh, from American Idol, Louis Knight. Uh, Louis hit the ground running. He's from uh, South Philadelphia. And he also has a song that is near and dear uh, to the LGBTQI plus community uh, that he wrote. It was called Change. And it was a result of him losing his best friend uh, to suicide. So, Next week, watch for our podcast. Uh, it will be a good one, I guarantee it. Uh, Louis is just a wonderful human being. And like I said, he was just on this, he was a runner up this last season in the top seven of American Idol. So we're, we're excited and very honored to have him come on as a guest. Rob? Yeah, yeah, no, that, I think that will be a hugely exciting show. And I want to also, um, uh, one of our recent shows that I would love people to go check out as well, if you're interested in particularly LGBTQ musical music, is um, our um, uh, podcast we did with Iggy T and the Crazy Makers. Um, since we did that show, um, a lot of that music was actually, or, or several of their pieces, was used uh, at Santa Cruz Pride and was an enormous hit. Um, everybody loved it so much. And so I'm really pleased that on our podcast that we're able to feature a lot of these artists that um, are not only incredibly talented, creating great music, but also impactful music that has, you know, message to it. 
and, and purpose. So that is, is a really cool thing. Brody, I wanted to ask you about some um, stuff going on, though, um, mm-hmm. just get your take on this. Um, we're, you and I talked before about a lot of the things when there has been um, kind of political progress and consciousness progress um, in terms of LGBTQ rights and other, mm-hmm. uh, other rights for other groups and how there sort of becomes this retro thinking, um, especially on the part of younger people who don't remember the times of progress and change and people adopting it and evolving. And they go back, especially in political campaigns, they go back and go, well, 20 years ago, you said this, and it was that, you know, that today in today's sense is a little bit homophobic and, you know, um, kind of slamming people for places that they were when at the time they were actually the front runners. They were actually the most progressive people, you know, in, in the pack, um, making positive change, but had not yet, especially rhetorically, grown to the place that, that people are today and putting that the current um, appropriate language purview on and, and kind of expecting um, art and, and spokespeople and politicians and, um, you know, uh, celebrities of the past to have caught up retroactively. I don't know if that, I'm making sense with that. But the one thing that I'm seeing now is that has gone full tilt, and not inappropriately, but on a lot of things that have sat around for, for hundreds of years or 100 years, um, unquestioned. And I'm talking about you know, not only the Confederacy artwork, but uh, even non-Confederacy um, things like Mount Rushmore, um, you know, the Redskins, um, uh, uh, this is how sports-oriented I am. I believe it's a football team. Um, yeah, the Washington know, Redskins. And, yeah. Um, and, you know, all of those are being called into question, many of which are it's totally appropriate that we evolve now and move past those those stereotypes and, um, and, and move to a, a new involvement on them. Um, my question for you is, is this not red meat for the Trump base and the part of the conservative part of our society that um, are, and I'm not talking about the white supremacist, you know, uh, troublemakers, but I'm talking about even the more quiet, conservative, wanting life to go back to their level of comfort of being peaceful is this going to rile them up into their own backlash? I think it does. I mean, you know, I can give you a current example. Uh, Earlier today, the Mississippi Elections Commissioner, and this is the guy that is in charge of elections for the entire state of Mississippi, said this, and I'm quoting, I'm concerned about voter registration in Mississippi. He wrote, the blacks are having lots of events for voter registration. People in Mississippi have to get involved, too. That is about as racist as you're going to get. And it was coded in the song. 
the thing is, and, and I think when Monica comes on, she'll agree with this, being how she's black as well um, in terms of, you know, perception of this. You know, for years and years and years, change was either incremental or it happened all at once. Uh, and that seems to be, you know, an American byproduct. You either incrementally change things and you get it done uh, or you have an explosion that gets done. And sometimes it takes a staggering amount of painful incidences to take place to wake people up. You know, a lot of this was because of the murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police officers. It is because of the murder of the young man in Aurora, Colorado. It is because of the murder of countless other, you know, black folk at the hands of law enforcement or at the hands of, quite frankly, racist people. And the younger generation, the Generation Z, is saying, you know what, enough of this. And the pressure is on. Mississippi, you know, not to beat a dead horse, uh, has long been a hotbed for just white supremacy and racism. And they have now been forced, you know, to reckon with that. They actually voted, their, their state legislature voted to remove the battle flag of the Army of Northern Virginia, which is colloquially referred to as the Confederate flag, off of the state flag because nobody, even the local institutions, didn't want that thing flying overhead. So what's happening is we're seeing a hard reset, not an incremental reset, but a hard reset because the young people in particular, and I'll I'll credit the millenniums as well with this, you know, enough is enough. And it's the symbolism. Yeah, the, the first place that I always, as a journalist, hear people go when, you know, you talk about the removal of these statutes and these all these other things. People tend to forget the context. Those things were put up long after the Civil War ended. They were put up slow. They were just put up, you know, in this in this slow rollout over a 20-year period at the height of influence. Okay, that included the reemergence of the Ku Klux Klan, and it was done to terrorize and intimidate. Black Americans, period, and stop. It was, I'm going to put this statue up of Robert E. Lee to remind you your place. And that's exactly what it was intended to do. It was not intended for legacy. It wasn't intended for history. But in order to get that by, a group of women known as the United Daughters of the Confederacy were able to get the entire narrative within the school systems of the South and later the North changed so that the history books literally were rewritten with their version of history and the myth of the lost cause was born. But what never disappeared during that entire time period was the white supremacy and the racism and the nonsense that went with it and the symbolism that went with it. These younger people are rightfully calling it out and saying enough is enough. You know, you mentioned the Washington Redskins. There has long been a controversy because the term redskin is an extremely offensive term to the aboriginals of the First Nations, and, and, and rightly put, okay? And there has been ongoing controversy over probably at least as long as I can remember, 30 years plus, trying to get the name of that team changed. Other professional right. sports teams have removed, you know, offensive imagery, <coughs> not Washington. And people have just genuinely had enough. This is why we are seeing the streets filled with people in a wide-ranging color palette 
and a wide-ranging grouping of ages and races coming together and saying, you know, enough. I, if, if there's any silver whining to the thundercloud of Donald Trump, it's the fact that his egregious racist behavior pulled the scab off and made it only too easy to be, you know, a racist and get away with it. And, you know, we've seen that in this parade of things going on. So the answer to your question in short is yes, very much. I think that we're yeah. seeing so, uh, we're a hard reset. Right. So, so that leads me to, the, to one other thing that, and before we move to our subject at hand, um, Donald Trump um, and his egregious racism, um, this whole event that's happening at Mount Rushmore, which um, Mount Rushmore, um, certainly, you know, you go by the scenes on that, um, has, has its own list of, of problems and, and issues of, of it being there. But it, it has been there. It has been there. It could sit quietly and, and, and everything else. But him sort of doing this big hurrah in front of it uh, for the 4th of July has sort of, uh, well, not sort of, is, is essentially a dog whistle to his white supremacy um, roots um, and, and kind of pulling the covers on the big issues behind the illegality of Mount Rushmore being there in the first place, being mm-hmm. um, uh, carved by somebody who apparently had Ku Klux Klein's either ties or sympathies. Um, oh, no, you no, know, direct and, ties, direct ties. Yeah, you're speaking yeah, to Goodson and, Borglum. Yes, direct ties. Right. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, is this is this – you know, is this a call to, to Donald Trump that he is going to not only reach out to his base, but he is going to paint his base in the most racist way possible um, and for the upcoming election? And, and I know we're not supposed to mention Hitler in context these days because everybody screams good one's law. The truth of the matter is everything that this man has done is straight out of a playbook from the Nazi party in the 1930s from the Nuremberg-style rallies to this Mount Rushmore nonsense to the military parades he wanted to have in Washington, D.C., which thankfully never happened, to, uh, you know, the never-ending ceasing parade of those people, them people, you know, and and his ill-disguised racism and the way he treats. I mean, you know, this is all out of an authoritarian fascist playbook. There's no other ways of putting it. The United States has now experienced for itself, what a tremendous amount of um, what the president referred to as shithole countries, uh, banana republics, have been through with petty tyrants and dictators. America's now had, can lay claim to, oh, yeah, we've had one now, too. There, there's no other way contextually to put this. Um, and, you know, his little show tonight, uh, first of all, you're absolutely right, uh, the, the Lakota are extremely upset. They didn't want that damn thing. That's a secret. That is a sacred mountain and a sacred area to the Lakota. And the problem was, once again, you know, the white folk know better. And this was the attitude contextually of the time period that everyone signed off. You know, Borglund is directly responsible for the initial beginnings, okay, at Stone Mountain, Georgia, just outside Atlanta, of that awful carving 
of the Confederate generals and the president of the Confederacy, Jefferson Davis. Same sculptor. And again, you know, and here's, you know, he had direct ties to the Klan. In fact, he even went to Klan meetings that were held on top of Stone Mountain. So everything you see tied all of this together is very much contextually, and which takes us to our subject matter today. This is pretty much residual, and these are things that need to be addressed because the heritage of the hatred that causes the murder of these black trans women, okay, is systemic and directly attributable to the attitudes of the same people that go to Sunday church, okay, and don't like them, you know, queer people, and they don't like them, you know, sickies, and they don't like them trannies. They're using the same contextual, ugly language and ugly thought processes coded in fancy language, okay, that were gathering on top of Stone Mountain, Georgia in the 1920s, burning crosses. It's their descendants. You know, I've, I've right. said this repeatedly. Hate has to be taught. Yeah, and um, going back to your comments about the dictatorship and the dictator um, um, roadmap, um, I would have people check out a Newsweek article, I believe it was this week, it might have even been today, about how um, Trump is or potentially is laying the groundwork to um, steal the election even if he loses the Electoral College. And um, it's a really interesting scenario article uh, has to do with William Barr and, um, and certainly reflects things that they're talking about now. But I think the more people who are aware of that ahead of time um, is the potential of de- derailing that scenario. Um, but it's there um, and it's dangerous. So switching gears <laughs> back to our topic at hand and, um, the uh, the events uh, recently. I do want to bring um, our special guest, Monica Roberts, on. Monica, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Rob, and um, and hey, Brody. Um, hey. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Um, before we jump into it, I want to add something else to uh, the Mississippi uh, flag situation. Um, a lot Absolutely. of the reason why they finally moved on it is because money was involved. The SEC, the NCAA, and also Conference USA, basically a couple of weeks before this sudden move to to uh, change the flag in Mississippi, basically um, we're told that we are not holding any championship uh, say, events in Mississippi until that flag goes bye-bye. Yeah, and that's so, point. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I, so, I would, I'm glad you mentioned that because even the Redskins, the, that whole discussion is also similarly happening because of money because FedEx, the major sponsor of, of their venue, is the one yeah. that is finally pushing on it. So, no, really yeah. excellent point. Yeah. Uh, money made a move. Uh, so, and you see how fast they moved on it. Because that flag has been That's, around, you know, that particular Mississippi flag version of the Mississippi state flag has been around since 1894. So it had its roots in 
reconstruction and, you know, thumbing their noses at their overwhelmingly black population in the state. Because <laughs> Mississippi is also the, the state that has the largest black population in the country. That's yeah, true. No, that's, that's, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And also when we look back at North Carolina with the, the horrendous transgender bathroom bill, the um, yeah, HB2. The, the, yeah. yeah, the 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 power against it was again the the corporate voices that that came out and, and threatened one of the reasons North Carolina. and one of the reasons that we the major reason that we killed SB six here, which was a word for word copy of SB two of HB two, was the business community here in Texas basically said no. Yeah, we don't want this crap. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, it's yeah. It, that is one of the interesting uh, paradoxes of what is happening now um, from an ethical, moral, uh, societal standpoint, and then the economic one. Because I think there are two counter issues going on. Because we have this huge wealth mm-hmm. gap that is happening in this country, and and it is under the the covers, and virtually nobody is doing anything about it, and yet th- it is those power brokers that are actually forcing some of the things we do want to happen on the other side, morally and ethically. Um, so that's a little bit of a conundrum. Uh, Monica, I want to ask you though, can we let's take this to the uh, front, though, of um, what's happening. What is your perspective on the the whole Black Lives Matter movement that has stepped forward and how, how um, efficiently, effectively is um, Black trans lives mattering, entering into this? Is it enough? And, and what is your perspective? Well, uh, I'm also coming from this as a member of Black Lives Matter Houston. Uh, I'm a member of the local chapter here, and and we and what a lot of people fail to realize is Black Lives Matter was founded by lesbian black lesbians. <laughs> so, um, but. One of the issues is we have certain chapters in BLM that are transphobic and homophobic. Mm-hmm. So that's a problem. Um, we also, in terms of, you know, in terms of that, you know, we have a serious problem. Just focusing, on, you know, say we have a serious problem within the black community. Uh, of not only homophobia, but the transphobia now has gotten off the charts. In large part because of the Trump administration pushing it, and also Republican politicians pushing it uh, in the wake of the Obergefell decision in 2015. Uh, they basically made a strategic decision that since they've lost on marriage, we're gonna. We need another group to uh, oppress, mm-hmm. you know, to rile, you know, to get our base riled up. So we became that group. Um, 
the other the, the problem with that is for us from their perspective they thought that we were going to be an easy win in the culture wars but what they fail to realize is that when you have people as as trans folks who have to fight tooth and nail just to get you know not only to get any kind of progress but you also have to fight tooth and nail you know, you know for your own identity and to be recognized as the person you are you know we're it's a we're going to fight you just as hard <laughs> when you're trying to oppress us and right consider yeah considering we don't have the big organization like an HRC, well-funded organization like an HRC. We don't, you know, have major funding, even funders, you know, stepping up to fund our organizations. Um, we've been fighting them, to, you know, we've been not only fighting them, but been pretty successful at, at, at stalling a lot of the bad stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and and you should the the HRC should be turned over to you, just turned right on over to you, right now. Well, that's I mean, it. You, that's yeah, it. We're, yeah, that's you, it. right now here in Houston. We're pissed off. Uh, there's a group of us pissed off because they pulled an old they pulled a stunt where they they basically uh, endorsed a Republican in Sarah Davis. When we're nine seats from flipping the Texas House. Oh my God, that's close. Yeah, that is so it's, close. it's the Alphonse D'Amato crap all over again. Yeah. So the the sound you hear in the background is my forehead hitting the desk here like a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's so, ridiculous. You know, be, you know, because Sir, you know, and and you know, they they say Sarah Davis is basically. You know, our version of Susan Collins, you know, she's a little more smarter than, she's a lot smarter than Susan Collins, but, you know, they they herald her as some great moderate because she votes the right way on reproductive issues, but everything else, she's a failure on. Um, she voted against SB4, which was the anti-immigrant, you know, was the anti-immigrant bill that passed two sessions ago, and she's voted, she's you know for the most part she votes conservative. I had to see how she would have voted if SB six had gotten out of committee, and actually gotten on the House floor. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, we need to get get focused. Um, I want to go back to the sort of a socio-psychological um, uh, standpoint, because you, you mentioned about some of the issues with the Black Lives Matter chapters, ones that are transphobic and homophobic. Um, in general, one of the plagues of our society is this toxic masculinity, um, misogynistic um, background theme that is just part of our culture. How does that play out for the black community? Is that stronger in the black community, the same, not as much? I wouldn't say it's specific. I would, I'm, I'm not going to quantify it either way. Toxic masculinity is toxic masculinity. It's just 
especially when it's resulting in deaths of black and Latinx trans and as in Latinx trans folks. Um, when you're look, you know, when you know when we have black men who literally, I say, beat a trans woman day, uh, literally hours after George Floyd was killed in uh, Minneapolis, and you had. You had a that's a you had a, a comedian a few years ago on the Breakfast Club openly saying that he would murder a trans woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if he found out that somebody he was dating was trans. Those kind of messages, as I like to say, hate thoughts plus hate speech equals hate, violence, and murders. Right. And a lot of the problem is the hate speech coming out of the White House, the Republican Party, and sadly, some black church pulpits because they're too busy trying, you know, because you have mega church ministers uh, who are kissing up to right wing evangelicals and trying to get paid. So. They are basically trying to hang, you know, they basically are being used uh, as a human shield to hide behind while they do, while they continue to do their usual dirty work. Uh, who, so, who no, it's, the... it's multiple, it's, it's multiple things factoring into this but you know toxic masculinity is part of it yeah no and the reason i point that out is because um it is a target of particularly black trans women um we don't hear about black trans men being attacked like this or trans men Uh, but they are um they are okay. being attacked like the you, know, you just had you know you just had one in California who yeah, was nearly beaten fact, to death. Let me interrupt in that one. I reported on that in Bakersfield. The Bakersfield Police Department confirmed Monday to the Los Angeles Blade that detectives are investigating the brutal attack on an 18-year-old graduate of Highland High School's class of 2020. Chris, now, Kristen Rouse is the kid's name. He's a black trans male. He was found unconscious by his mother and a former girlfriend after he had failed to reach out to his mother. According to a statement that the mother gave to investigators and also to media, quote, my child was laying on the floor. He could barely speak, barely breathe. He had marks around his neck. His face was swollen. He had bruises on his torso, on his back. And his shirt was off. He's transgender, and that is not a nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, any, anybody that knows the trans community, and especially trans males, are immediately going to pick up on that last part about the shirt being off. Yeah, so, I just picked up on it as well. So, um, and when we've also had trans men assaulted. Um, when um, literally days after Malaysia Booker was attacked last year, 
Uh, we had a trans man in Colleen, Texas, who was attacked by his boss. Hmm. He worked at a you know he worked at a barber shop in Colleen, and he was you know he was uh, he was assaulted. And how so it happens. This- it happens frequently. It's just that it isn't reported on as much um, as as it needs to be. Right. Um, how do mm-hmm. we get? I mean, you made a great point about you know the 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 horror show that is happening on the right, and definitely mm-hmm. um, the trans community is being scapegoated and um, and abused um, for political gain, which is 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 the way well, the right also, has worked for years. I'm gonna also bring up the fact that. Uh, uh, the Catholic Church has demonized trans folks too. No thanks to Paul McHugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say, you know, Paul McHugh was called in to help craft the Vatican's uh, transgender policies, and of course, Paul McHugh has been a longtime hater of this community, and uh, the end result is comments like Pope Benedict saying that trans folks are more dangerous to society than the atomic bomb or, or yeah, is some of the how, rhetoric coming from Pope Francis that has been right. anti-trans. How do we get more support and consistency on the left to counter this stuff? Um, because, I mean, to your point, it's, it's, I mean, those we know that people on the on the right are are you know almost hopeless and um, and and they're opportunistic. I mean, they are they are not only just hateful, but they are using this um, in the most heinous way. But the the power against it doesn't seem to be as effective on the left because it isn't consistent and it isn't as visible. Well, the also the also the problem is you have people on the left who are just as transphobic. J.K. Rowling, Winger Bell. Right. Yes. Exactly. Um, you also have you also had trans you know you also had transphobic gay folks and lesbians. I said who in and, large part back in the seventies, eighties, all the way up to the two thousands were basically cutting us out of legislation that we sorely needed. Right. It's not just a right-wing problem. Uh, we have you know, folks on the left who have been just as bad. Um, remember, the bathroom, uh, say the bathroom predator stuff didn't start with the right wing. It started with Barney Frank. And his penis and showers argument in '98. Can you elaborate I'm on that? A little it bit took him that it? long to figure that out to stop to use it. Yeah. Can you elaborate on on what he said at that at that time and how well, that? What he he basically when he was trying to he was trying to come up with this. He was basically trying to say that people would be creeped out by by. 
non, say non-pre-op trans folks using the same showers with cisgender women. And he was also using it as, a, as, a, as an excuse to try to keep trans folks out of ENDA, the Employment Non-Discrimination Act at the time. Right, right. Which there were a lot of mistakes. I mean, that that's you know, as as things progressed in the movement, um, you know, certainly that myopic view of of not staying unified um, and and making sure that everyone was protected was 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 a fatal error. I mean, it didn't work, and it was it was disingenuous yeah, and it was wrong. Um, we also we're have found still paying that on for. The, we're still paying for getting cut out of the James Burt, the state James Burt Hate Crimes Act in right. 1999 and 2000 by the, the proto-org that later became Equality Texas. And I think yeah, it, was, it was an organization called by, the Lesbian Gay Rights League. Yeah, we've been hurt by, by uh, legislation in the past that has made acquisitions or made um, – um, uh, exceptions Gains at the expense to, quote, of the trans religious community. freedom. Yeah, and I say yeah because with the excuse was well, um, it's just going to be too hard to pass legislation with you trans folks in it. So let's just get what we can get right now, pass it for the gay and lesbian community, and then we'll come back for you. Okay, the folks in Wisconsin have been waiting since 1982. Right. Okay, uh, we've been waiting since ni- since 2001 in Texas to get included in the Bird Hate Crimes Act, and that argument also doesn't take into account that political bodies change with elections. A political body that may have been, you know, amenable to passing LGBTQ plus rights one year can change in another election cycle, which is why when you have the opportunity to pass LGBT positive legislation uh, and the and say legislators are wanting to do it. That's why you take the opportunity to make it as broad a cover as a wide a swath of our community as possible. Well, yeah, absolutely. If you're fighting on principle, fight on principle. Principle doesn't have mm-hmm. exceptions. Yeah. Um, what, 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 Monica, what were your thoughts on the recent win at the Supreme Court with uh, Title VII? Be honest, um, I was expecting it to go five four the other way. Yeah, no, um, I, I was just I was go, coming into that. I was really nervous about it. Um, but the fact that it was six three, it's huge because it also sets up um a say a say a ruling a precedent that they can use for Title Nine. Because you mm-hmm. do have states that are trying to ban trans folks from participating in sports. True. Uh, you also, yeah, and so that's critical. Uh, that rule, you say that Title Seven ruling is going to help us tremendously in pushing back 
against the Trump administration's anti-trans policies, and hopefully in six, seven, you know, six, seven months, we have a brand new president, which will help tremendously on that. Mm-hmm. Since uh, Joe Biden has made it clear and has since 2015 uh, that trans rights are on his radio on his radar, and he's also said that you know, and he's also said that trans rights is the civil rights issue of the of this of this time and 21st century because it is <laughs> so i've got an off the wall question for you um uh, you just mentioned the potential of of the new president and you know i hope with every atom in my being that you are absolutely correct that that happens um one of the big questions is Who's he going to pick as his vice president, um, which is actually critically important since he is not likely to run for a second term should he win. And so this yeah. person will probably be his heir apparent. Who would you like that person to be? Kamala Harris. Good choice. <laughs> That's uh, my because, choice as well. You know, for all the folks who are trying to push Elizabeth Warren, Problem number one, she's 70 years old. Problem number two is that she is in Massachusetts, which has a Republican governor, and who would replace her with another Republican in the Senate. And we need every Senate seat that we can get. Right. You know, so Kamala would be, would be, would be amazing. California, yeah. Oh no, she she was me, she's she like, was no, actually no. my first choice for president. Yeah. Yeah. So well, we're. Yeah, I voted for her I in think, every you know, sorry, every election she's yeah. run in, from uh, attorney general to senator to um, and and definitely um, would back her for that. Plus, I love the fact that because she was attorney general. She has executive branch experience as well as being from the Senate. Plus, um, her creds in terms of LGBTQ support here in California, mm. I do think she would be a, a strong and viable advocate for the trans community. Yeah, uh, which I've had to remind some trans folks of that as well. Um, I've, I had to point out that Uh, Senator Harris has filed the federal bill to kill the the, uh, trans panic defense at the federal level, the gay and trans panic defense at the federal level. She's filed that bill. Right. Uh, You know, and she has been vocal on a lot of issues, especially when it comes to black trans women. She's been vocal on that. Um, So... You know, most of the sour graping I'm hearing is from all the folks who, the progressives who were supporting Bernie and were sliming her to begin with. <laughs> yeah, what what was your take on Bernie himself? Because uh, one of the reasons I soured on Bernie, um, and I'm talking back in 2016, was mm-hmm. when he was disrupted. He was disrupted by a Black Lives Matter um, group 
I think it happened in Oregon. And um, quite frankly, I, I was actually very Tucson. disappointed in his reaction. Tucson had no oh, hallucination. Okay. Yeah. But I was disappointed in his reaction to that. I didn't feel like he – I felt it was an opportunity that he could have stopped a moment, focused on that issue, and went, you're right. And it didn't play out that way. What was your take on it? Well, that's a – but there were a lot of things that I didn't like and a lot of red flags in terms of Bernie. Uh, the fact that nobody, no black person from Vermont endorsed him. The mm-hmm. NAACP in Vermont, as a matter of fact, said, and I quote, that he was invisible to the black community of Vermont. And that when they actually when they needed stuff done on a federal level, they'd go to Senator Lay. Um, there, you know, and then it was just the fact that it is the height of arrogance to think that you're going to get the nomination of a party that you have demonized since 1985, <laughs> and you only join it. When you want to run for president. Right. Okay. And the fact that you so pissed off the black community uh, that in any state that had a 10% or more black population, Bernie lost it. Right. And it was even worse this year. You know, there were six states that Bernie lost where he lost every county in them. And two of those were the swing states of Florida and Michigan. So this, you know, this claptrap, uh, Bernie would have been a better candidate than Biden. Bull. Because as Very you well can said. see right now with Biden opening up a double-digit lead right now, uh, no, that wouldn't be happening with Bernie if we had been stupid enough to make Bernie our nominee. Right, right. So, okay. Monica, we're, we're... And that wasn't we're, happening because, okay, what Bernie, if Bernie had been a member of the Democratic Party, he would know that you don't get any kind of nomination without the black community weighing in on it. Absolutely. Which is, I mean, that was that was the factor. I mean, there was no other factor that that changed yeah. the election, you know, on the Democrat side besides that one. Monica, take us. Yeah. We're we're winding down our our time here. Take us to your vision. How do we put Black trans lives out in the forefront of what is happening right now and wake people up? How do we do that? Uh, how do we do that? It's a multi-layered problem that needs a multi-layered solution. One is also electing one uh, that we can do in the short term is elect folks who are uh, cognizant and uh, say, and and are well versed on trans issues or are willing to learn. 
uh, let's say another is actually hiring trans folks in these offices. You know, we have young trans folks who are wanting to work in political, do political work. They can't get their foot in the door. Uh, so hiring yeah, trans folks yeah. will help. Also, you know, for those times when we're not in the room, speak up and count and call out transphobia when it when it occurs. Because, you know, they're not going to say anything negative about me to my face, but mm-hmm. they sure will when I leave the room. And yep. that's, you know, that's that's when we need our allies to step up and say, no, that's not cool. Agreed. That's the best yeah, time to do so, it right there. And, Monica, what, what like, like I said, we're winding down our time here. What haven't we asked or talked about on the subject that we should have? One thing is we're, I'm still seeing um, media misgendering of trans folks. And that's a problem because it delays justice when you use the dead name of a trans woman or the dead name of a trans man, and we don't find out for two or three weeks that this person has been killed mm-hmm. because of the dead naming. And, it's a, and you know, uh, most murders get solved within the first 48 to 72 hours. So every minute beyond that makes it less likely that that perpetrator will be brought to justice. So the you know, do you so feel the like dead naming issue, uh, especially when it comes from you know, from the police departments, that you know, that's a that's an issue that needs to be dealt with, uh, and especially on our media end. Do you feel like the motivation behind a lot of these crimes is also covered up in terms of um because I've seen different columnists opine that um some of the murders were caused because of personal issues, not because the person was trans, which I don't um, see how that could be. The majority of the trans murders that I have are intimate partner violence. Because, you know, because if you, you know, look at one that happened recently in Chicago with Selena Hernandez. She mm-hmm. tells the guy that she's trans. He leaves. Goes home, gets his gun, comes back, shoots her. He's so pissed off, he turns right back around and puts another four or five bullets in her just for good measure because he's pissed off. Right. If you go back through the last couple of years, the vast majority of this, and, and that's true of many of them I've been tracking over the last couple of years, the majority of them are intimate partner violence situations where one of the homies didn't want, say, didn't want his friends to find out that he was dating a trans woman. So the best right. way in his mind, the best way to defend his masculinity 
is to kill the trans woman. Which which is is the is not only due to transgender issues, it is it is hitting that deep, dark psychological part of the yeah, issue. In, yeah. Intimate partner violence has been a lot of yeah. that problem. Well, Monica, I want to thank In you so much for being yeah. on with us today. Yeah, um, you you are phenomenal, and um, I, with um, love and respect, I, I love what you're doing, and your voice is so incredibly important um, right now. Um, what what final words do you want to leave our listeners with on on what they can do? If you're not registered to vote, I implore you to do that today. Do not delay. And once you do get registered, use it. Use that voter registration card. Use your precious right to vote. Vote. Because if you don't do it in this election, you may not get a chance to do it in 2024. Yeah, and get everyone you know to vote. Get everyone who would sit on the sideline to vote. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Take your friends with you to the polls. Yeah. Uh, The way you beat the the voter suppression apparatus is you flood it with more votes that voters than it can handle. Right. Excellent. Well, again, thank you so much for being you. Thank you for being with us today. Brody, any final words from you? Uh, No, just uh, happy 4th of July to all of our listeners. Have a safe fourth, have a safe holiday, social distance, wear a mask, and please be careful. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that'll be it for us for this week. We will be back, as Brody pointed out, with a really musical um, version of Rated LGBT Radio next week. We can't wait to talk to you. We will be here. Tell your friends. Have them subscribe. You find us on any podcast app, iTunes, and on Blog Talk Radio. We are here for you, and we will talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio. 